0: Grab your Bible this morning, open it to Joshua chapter 2. Joshua chapter 2. We are in our series in the book of Joshua, and we are talking about how the Lord gives us victory all the time. And this morning, we're going to talk about victory over fear. Victory over fear. Now, if you weren't here last week, we gave out these great bracelets that say live in victory. Uh, You can wear them all summer or all of your life if you'd like. Um, and it just reminds you that God gives us victory and we're called to live in victory. If you'd like one of those bracelets, you can raise your hand and usher will bring you one, or you can go grab one from the next steps area after church. Either way, we would love for you to have one of those and continue to remind yourself to live in victory every single day. Have you noticed in your life, like I've noticed in mine, that fear is a powerful emotion Man, it is a powerful emotion, isn't it? It's even paralyzing at times. And sometimes it's even debilitating. Like I can't even function. I I can't even enter into the good things that God has for me. And sometimes I can't even do normal life right because I'm so afraid. This morning, we're going to look at a section of scripture where there's an entire group of people living like that. They're living in a paralyzed, debilitating state, and they're literally not living normal life because clinically they are caught up in a phobia. Now, that's the clinical word for fear, isn't it? Phobia. And we've named all of them. In fact, if you go online and you look up the word phobia, you will come up with a list of tons of things that we have declared we are scared of. In fact, you can almost name anything. Some of the phobias... We can relate to. They make sense in our minds. There's a rush of emotion and fear that happens in all of us, like a chulophobia. that's a fear of darkness. The next one I have, it's acrophobia, it's the fear of heights. I've always said God... How can a tall person be afraid of heights? That does not make sense to me at all. I should be able to climb the tallest ladder and not be afraid. But at rung two, I'm shaking with fear. Here's another one I have, agrizoophobia. It's the fear of wild animals. Another one I don't understand. How can I walk through the woods during hunting season with a loaded firearm and be afraid of something? That doesn't make sense to me, but it's there arachnophobia. We all have that, don't we? Fear of spiders. (laughs) Arsonphobia, the fear of fire. Here's another one some people have. Aviophobia, the fear of flying. I have this next one as well. It's acmophobia. It's the fear of needles. (laughs) I have many stories about the fear of needles. Was recently with Allie uh, in the hospital, and she needed a needle thing, and she said, Dad, turn away, don't look. And the nurse said, why? And she said, because he'll end up on the floor. (laughs) But then there are other phobias that just kind of seem silly, don't they? But they're real. They're real in people's minds and hearts, but they kind of seem silly, like a blutophobia, which is the fear of bathing. I don't... That person's not going to be my friend. (laughs) Neither will this next person, allurophobia, the fear of cats. I'm pretty sure most of the American culture has this one. It's called olodoxophobia. It's the fear of opinions. Because if you or I share our opinions, everybody freaks out. Like we can't share our opinions and be kind to one another. God forbid. Ambulophobia, the fear of Walking. Here's one I had in high school, arithmophobia, you can probably figure that one out, the fear of numbers, yes. Ourophobia, the fear of gold, why would you have that? That doesn't make any sense to me. Not to be confused with auroraphobia, which is the fear of the northern lights, yes, I totally get that one. Every time I see the northern lights, I'm terrified. Now all of these phobias, like them or not, silly or not, they're an indication of something. They're an indication of how powerful and prevalent fear is in our lives. That's what's true. And in Joshua chapter 2, we will see that the people of Jericho have been stuck with a bad case of what I will term a phobia, which is the fear of being destroyed by Israel. These verses that we'll look at today give us a good look into what fear can do. And what it does. But here's the best part. These verses will also give us the answer to fear. The answer for our fear. And what's amazing is the answer to our fear will come through what may be the most unlikely source. A prostitute named Rahab. Look at Joshua 2 with me. Then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from Shittim. Go look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. We don't have time to dive into why they went to that house, but whatever. It was obviously a divine moment. Verse 2, the king of Jericho was told, Look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab. Bring out the men who came to you and entered your house, because they have come to spy out the whole land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. She said, Yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they had come from. At dusk, when it was time to close the city gate, they left. I didn't know which way they went, so go after them quickly, you may catch up with them. But she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them under the stalks of flax she had laid out on the roof. So the men set out in pursuit of the spies on the road that leads to the fords of the Jordan. And as soon as the pursuers had gone out, the gate was shut. Before the spies lay down for the night, she went up on the roof and she said to them, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to Sihon and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare both the lives of my father. And mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them, and that you will save us from death. Our lives for your lives, the man assured her. If you don't tell what we are doing, we will treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us the land. So she let them down by a rope through the window, for the house she lived in was part of the city wall. She said to them, Go to the hills so the pursuers will not find you. Hide yourselves there three days until they return, and then go on your way. What a great moment where you and I see God beginning to orchestrate his people coming into the nation of Israel and into their inheritance and into their promise. But we also see this moment where Jericho and the entire region are stuck in fear. And one of the first observations I noticed about fear is this. Walls don't keep out fear. Jericho is the largest city in the region. It has enormous walls. In fact, we can deduce from this story that the walls are as wide as her home. Her house is built like in the wall. Some say that the the walls were so thick that they would have chariot races on top of the wall. This is an extremely thick and large wall. But walls don't keep out fear, do they? The people and the king of Jericho assumed that their large walls would keep everything out and maybe it was keeping everything else out, but it wasn't keeping fear out. In fact, They're hanging on by a thread behind their large walls, and the text says they're melting in fear. The walls didn't keep out fear. In fact, what's interesting, the walls are magnifying their fear, the walls are keeping them stuck in their fear. That's the problem with walls. This was the problem and the circumstance in Jericho, but it's interesting, the same thing happens today to you and me, because we build walls too, don't we? Now, they're not physical, concrete ones. They're mental, psychological, physical, spiritual. We build walls too. Now, we all need basic boundaries. We all need basic walls from things that are hurtful or sinful or evil. But walls can also keep us stuck in unhealthy thinking or an unhealthy lifestyle that doesn't honor the Lord or, or get us into the best that God has for us. We do the same thing. We build mental walls that don't let the truth of God in, so we end up stuck in lies from the world Or from our own thinking. We build emotional walls. And the emotional walls are understandable because we're building them in an effort to protect our heart. It kind of like is a defense mechanism and and in one way makes sense that we would build that emotional wall in an effort to protect our heart. But that wall also stops us from opening our heart to the Holy Spirit and to other people that could help us. And the real healing that we need in Christ and with other people never actually takes place Because we've built a wall. We build relational walls. And those relational walls stop us from being hurt, maybe from something in the past. But what we find ourselves in is in a place in our lives where we can't ever get close to someone or build a deep friendship or a romantic relationship. Or maybe we end up in unhealthy friendships or relationships all the time because those walls are kind of keeping us from being healthy. We also build spiritual walls. We build spiritual walls in our Christianity in an attempt to make our Christianity safe. In an attempt to make our Christianity nice and kind and loving and it should be all those things. But as a result of putting walls up around our spiritual faith, we don't share the greatest message of Jesus Christ with those around us. Because we can't break out of our spiritual wall. We also build financial walls. We build financial walls and we don't ever step out in faith and trust God with our finances. We build these walls that we think are keeping us safe, but it's really just a nice place for the enemy to keep us stuck in fear. Now, here's what's interesting. While the whole city is melting in fear... Rahab does the opposite. While the whole area is building up walls, and while the whole area is melting, and in the middle of their fear, and even though Rahab is in the middle of her fear, she does something different. Rahab's mindset and her actions prove to be the answer to fear. See, the answer to fear is faith. And Rahab, in the middle of fear, chooses faith faith instead of fear. The next thing that we can notice is that faith in God gives us victory over fear. That if you and I want to live in victory, especially victory over fear, we will have to choose to have faith in God more than live in our fear. Now at this point, let me point out something that I think is important. There's healthy fear and there's unhealthy fear. Do we all know that? Like there's healthy fear and there's unhealthy fear. Let me give you an example. I grew up in Southern Nevada and we had rattlesnakes everywhere. When you heard a rattle, you didn't go, oh, I should play. That's, that'd be unhealthy. The healthy fear is you hear the rattle and you go, ooh, not good. That's a healthy fear. There's something dangerous there and I should stay away. That's a healthy fear. God's word gives us all kinds of ways to live healthily as we read the things in God's word and say, I should live out God's word in my life and I will have a healthy life. And I should fear the things that are not for God. But there's also unhealthy fear. Things that take us into areas of unhealth and into evil. And God wants to give us victory over unhealthy fear. That that fear that stops us from living in victory, the fears that are debilitating and diminish our faith, the fears that keep us stuck in the enemy's grip, God wants to give us victory over all that fear. And Rahab is a good example of this. See, Rahab's, interestingly, fear of the Lord turned into faith. And we see the fear of the Lord in the book of Proverbs all the time. But here's what Rahab does. Rahab has this interesting fear of the Lord. She's heard a couple stories about what God did. This story that he parted the Red Sea. They've noticed that they are destroying their enemies all around them. There's about a million people walking around in the desert that that are being cared for by God himself. There's this fear of the Lord that has come over her. But here's what's interesting. Instead of running from God, she runs to God. Instead of being afraid of God, she respects him highly and her fear of the Lord helps her enter into a relationship with God because she sees the awesomeness of God and she wants to live with an awesome God. This is a healthy fear. Her fear of God encourages her to believe in him and she even makes some declarations of faith. In verse 9, she says, I know. That's a personal declaration. I know that the Lord has given you this land. And then in verse 11, she says, for the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. Now what you and I need to understand is she's making a powerful declaration of faith there because what she's saying is, I no longer believe that my gods that I grew up with are the true God, your God is. She's making a radical change in her life from what she thought before and how she lived before. She made a declaration of faith about God. Let me ask you a question. What are your declarations of faith about God? What do you say about him? What do you believe about him? What does your faith look like? And how would you communicate it to others? See, Rahab's fear of the the Lord ignited of faith in her. It ignited a faith in her, not only to believe, but to do what was right. As a result, by faith, she protects and hides the spies. By faith, she opposes her own king. By faith, she opposes the government because of her faith in God. By faith, she lowers the spies down out of her window and lets them go. And by faith, she didn't share her secret with anyone and blow her opportunity to be saved. She is choosing by faith to radically change her life and no longer live in fear. Now, I would contend with you this morning that that's exactly what you and I need. We need faith like this today in our day as well, amen? Because in our society, we don't just have one wall around our city, we have thousands of them, don't we? We've built thousands of walls in our society that all keep us in the enemy's grip. And we need faith in Jesus so that when fear rises up in our life or falls upon us, we're ready to live in faith Not in fear. Now, here's what's interesting. Verse 9, Rahab said this about the city. She said, A great fear of you has fallen on us. It's almost like the enemy has attacked them, and fear has totally taken over their life. And this can happen to you and me, too. Fear can literally fall on us, it happens. When you visit the doctor and he says that word, cancer. When you get a phone call from another creditor. When the boss says you need to talk because the company is downsizing. Or when there's been another school shooting. It seems like in those moments, fear falls upon us. And in that moment, you and I have an option. Are we going to live in our fear or are we going to live in faith? It's in that moment that you and I have to make a decision. I'm going to let God be bigger and my fear be small. See, fear will come in all kinds of ways, big and small. That's why we need to have faith in God. In fact, so many people categorize fear in so many ways. I'm going to attempt it this morning too. I think our fear can be categorized in three ways, past, present, and future. All of our fears, a large section of them are from our past, what we experienced in our past, and it's now living in our present. And we live in this unhealthy place because of our past fear. Now it's our present fear, but we also have future fear. And all of our fears can be put in one of those categories. We have residue from our past and it becomes a fear, maybe a traumatic experience in your life from your past that causes fear in your present. And whenever you're around a situation from that experience, that fear falls upon you. That fear rises up in you. And that fear can even develop what seems like a justifiable healthy boundary. But the challenge is Does that healthy boundary keep you stuck in fear? See, faith allows you to walk through a difficult situation from your past or in your present. Fear will always keep you stuck in that place because that's where the enemy always wants you. He always wants you stuck. And you and I have to choose in that moment not to live in unhealthy fear, but to live in faith. Because when we are stuck in fear, we don't live in the opposite of fear, which is love. We can't live in God's love for our own life and for those around us because we're just stuck in fear. When we're stuck in fear, we also can't use the one tool that God has given us that breaks the fear in the past, and that is forgiveness. See, the forgiveness of God is so powerful that when you and I choose to do the really hard work of forgiving whatever happened in our past, um, an amazing miracle happens. The fear in our life just begins to fall off of us. It just begins to evaporate. It just begins to go away as the God of the universe begins to heal us from the inside out. That's what happens when we forgive Now, does that mean that you should should give up your healthy boundaries? No. Healthy boundaries are good, but unhealthy ones are not so great. Healthy ones can help you find the goodness of God. Unhealthy ones from the enemy will always keep you stuck. See, forgiveness is this powerful faith that God has given you and me. And in his hands, every situation from our past can find victory. Some of our fears are in the present. These were those fears and phobias that you and I can have that paralyze us from living a normal life. And faith in God also helps those fears dissipate over time. See, putting our faith in God's word and in his promises allow us to live in faith instead of in fear. And fear begins to no longer stick to us because we're putting all of our faith in God's word. See, fear can't stick to us because our identity and our worldview changes. When our identity changes, and our identity is not in this world, but our identity is in God's word and in our faith in God, then the world and its fears don't have the relevance in our lives that they used to And the fear that is holding on to us because our our life and our identity is wrapped up in the world, when it becomes wrapped up in Christ, those fears that came from the world begin to fall off our life. They no longer become a part of our life because this world's not as important as Jesus' world. And when our minds and our hearts are transformed by God through his word, our lives change radically. And what may have been a deep fear is healed by Jesus and you discover that your greatest fears are now your greatest strengths. Those things that you used to be afraid of are now your strengths because now you can use those things to minister and talk to someone else that is having that same fear and you can help them get out of it too. That's the goodness of the healing of our God. Lastly, we have fears for our future. Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow, just trust in him today because there's really nothing you can do about tomorrow. That's easier said than done, isn't it? (laughs) That's way easier said than done. But it is the answer to our future fear. If we want to live in faith and not in our future fear, then we'll have to live in this mindset that God has the future. The faith that believes and knows that God has the future and I will walk with him in my future and everyone will walk with him in the future releases our fears of the future to him. But this is hard because it takes a deep, deep surrender to God. Trusting our future with God, the unknown, takes deep surrender. It can become even harder when you add something like cancer to the mix. Now it gets really hard because you don't know if you will be in the future. And what you were hoping to enjoy in the future or be a part of in the future is now no longer in your control. It's out of your control because you don't know what the future holds. Now some of us have a hard time surrendering the future to God because we want to control the future. We want to be there to control it. We want to be there to be a part of it. Most of us just have deep fear and sadness about not being in the future because we'll miss out on what the future holds. Seeing our kids graduate from high school or get married or or whatever, enjoy retirement. And as we think about that possibly not being a part of our life, that takes deep surrender to give our families and our future and our loved ones to God and trust that his future for us is better than our own. Faith says, God, I give you control of my future and the future of the ones I love. Now here's what's interesting. Did you notice that Rahab did that? That's exactly what Rahab did. That's Rahab's request to the men and to God. Would you show would you swear to God that you will show kindness and faithfulness to me? and my family, my father, my mother, my brothers, my sisters, and everyone else, she probably means all of her nieces and nephews, the grandkids, will you show kindness to my family as I step out in faith? Now here's what's interesting. She puts her faith in God for her future. And when the walls of Jericho come falling down, there's only one house left standing, hers. Which reveals to us the next most important part part about faith, and that is this, that one person's faith can change everything. Hear me this morning. One person's faith can change everything. It can change everything in your life. It can change everything in your family's life. This is the wisdom of Rahab's faith. The wisdom of Rahab's faith is this. God plus you equals a majority. Every time, every time you connect your faith and God, you are now on the right side. And you are in the majority. God plus your faith equals a miracle. And Rahab's faith changed everything for her family. And I want to encourage some of you this morning. You may be holding on to God in faith for an area for your family. Maybe the salvation of a family member or the healing of a family member or just the health of a family member, whatever it might be. Can I encourage you? Be that one person. Be that one person that is continuing to stand in faith and to trust in God for that situation and that circumstance. And let God choose to change everything. Rahab's faith was extraordinary. Not only did her faith change the course of her family's life, it changed the course of history, and it also changed the course of your life. You so, Pastor Mark, how did Rahab change my life? Well, Matthew chapter one tells us how Rahab's life changed your life and mine and the course of history. Look at it with me. It may seem boring because normally genealogies are boring, but look at Matthew chapter one, verse five and six with me. Hopefully, it's on the screen. There we go. Solomon the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Now, I forgot to tell you, this is the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Solomon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Ruth was another woman of great faith. Obed, the father of Jesse. And Jesse, the father of King David. Rahab was King David's great-great-grandma. Rahab is now in the immediate, direct family line of your Savior and mine. This woman, one person, chose to have great faith. It changed her family, it changed her, and it changed you and me because Jesus came through her What an unlikely source, the prostitute in town. Never underestimate the power of anyone, amen? Amen. The faith of anyone. Our ushers are going to pass out a a prayer card to you right now. And I want to talk about how your faith can change something in our community. Because one person's faith can change everything, I want to challenge us as a church to change our city, the West Plains, and parts of the world. Because you could be the missionary that has the faith to go to some dangerous place, and as a result, many people believe in Jesus, and one person's faith, your faith, could change an entire people group. You could be the person that shares Jesus with someone and your faith changes their life and they become the next great evangelist and hundreds of thousands of people get saved because of one person's faith. Similar to the one person that led Billy Graham to the Lord, somebody had to leave Billy Graham to the Lord, right? And then thousands, hundreds of thousands of people get saved. See, one person's faith can change everything. And by the way, that's a biblical truth everywhere. David, all on his own as a little boy, as a teenager, killed a giant that changed the course of the entire nation. Daniel, all by himself, gets thrown in a lion's den, and it changes his life, Nebuchadnezzar's life, And what Babylon thought about God. Jesus' faith on a cross paid for your sin and mine and for the sin of the whole world. See, the faith of one person can change everything. Never underestimate the power of your faith in God. Now, it's not because you're so great and because your faith is so awesome. It's because God is, amen? And when you put your faith in him, anything can happen. So I would like us as a church to have Rahab-like faith for our city, for the West Plains, and to the ends of the earth. Now, Pastor Kate wrote a great bookmark. This This is her help in my message. I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but her help is normally better than my best. Have you noticed that? You've been around for a while. You'll notice that, that she's pretty awesome. I agree. So there's some prayer points here for each day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I want you to pray, if you would, each day this week, and then you can keep this up if you'd like. But throughout this series in Joshua, I would like us to pray that our city could live in the victory of Jesus. Now you and I know what that means. It's our neighbors, it's our coworkers, it's the people we interact with in our city that need Jesus. They need to live in victory and we need to be the people of great faith for them. Now as you and I live and stand in victory, it will look like praying for them. It will look like sharing Jesus with them. It will look like showering love and grace and forgiveness on their life. And I'd like us to conclude by just praying for that. So would you stand with me this morning? And we're gonna pray the prayer on this bookmark. That's gonna be our close this morning. Remembering that faith is what destroys fear. Your walls won't keep fear out faith in God and living in his victory will keep fear out and never underestimate the power of your faith so could we pray together for our city for our neighbors for our family members for the West Plains or for the world would you read it and pray it out loud with me God just like you granted the spies favor with Rahab We ask that you would give us favor with our community. May we be bold witnesses for you so people will know that you are the one true God. Soften hearts and engage minds to the truth of Jesus Christ. Use us as instruments of your kindness, which points people to you. That's my prayer for our church, for you individually. You get to take this home. You don't have to leave it here. But let me close with this. Some of you may be wrestling with a personal fear. There's something that you know that is just, it's kind of been just there. It's resident. It's all the time in your life. And you'd like to see victory over it today. We have some people that uh, are willing to pray with you. So our prayer partners and our life team leaders are gonna come up front and they're gonna be here in just a moment Um, if you would like to pray for something and just like to pray victory over your fear, would you hang around and just come pray with one of those people? We'd love to just see the victory of Jesus Christ in your life today. Well, it was good to see you. Thanks for coming to church. And always remember, Jesus loves you very much. So do Kate and I. Have a great week.